you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. the aisle, speak to somebody and tell them victories in the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, choir. I'll now let you go sit down. <laughs> Thank you. Give the choir a great big God bless you. Thank you for coming early. Amen. Acts chapter 28. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 28 and begin with verse number 1, reading down through verse number 6. Our prayers, of course, will be uh, with all of our youth that are going to camp this week and to our workers that are going to be at camp this week, that the Lord would be with you and to the brave souls that decided to be counselors in the dormitories. God bless you as well. I pray that you come home in one piece and in a sound mind. Amen. Acts chapter 28, verse number 1. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he hath escaped the sea, Yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Verse 6, Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen our fallen dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a God. 
And of course, we know how this story ends. With the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach for a little while on the power of your anointing. The power of your anointing. Would you ask the Lord to help us tonight? God, help us to be open to what you want to say tonight. Lord, I pray against every distraction. Lord, I come against the spirit of lethargy that would be in this house tonight. I, Lord, every spirit that, every human spirit and every spirit, Lord, that is not like you, I pray, God, that you humble it and bring it into subjection that your spirit, God, may take preeminence in this house and that you may show up and minister, God, in a powerful way and strengthen the faith and the hearts and the lives of all of us that are in this room today. Lord, by the power of your anointing, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I realize for some of you, you've already been in two services. This is service number three. For others, for two services tonight, for some of you that have only been here once, and we have worshiped, and we have prayed, and we have sang, and we have felt the presence of the Lord. But I do want to bring a word to you tonight on the power of your anointing. The power of your anointing. The first instance of the religious use of oil in scripture was used for dedication. When we talk about the anointing, we immediately our minds go to the anointing oil. I've preached on it, taught on it many times. It was used for the anointing of the stone by Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. When Je Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. This anointing was designed to be a formal dedication of the stone or the location for a sacred purpose. Solomon's temple in the scripture was dedicated for which we follow the pattern of the dedication of the house of the Lord. Under the Mosaic law, persons and things that were set apart for sacred purposes were anointed with the holy anointing oil as part of the consecration. Anything and everything that was going to be used of God first had to go through a cleansing and then had to go through an anointing with this specific, special, holy anointing oil. The holy anointing oil was used in the tabernacle. It was used on its furniture, on its vessels, on the altar, on the laver, and even used upon the priests that were to minister in the tabernacle. This anointing was for a purpose and the purpose of this anointing oil was to signify that it was prepared for use. It was a clear sign that it had gone through the purification process. 
it had been washed and cleansed thoroughly according to the art of the apothecary and all of the work of the holy anointing oil and everything that was to happen in the holy place, in the temple of God. And the cleansing would take place. And then after the cleansing and the inspection, then the oil would be put and applied to the utensil or the furniture or whatever it may be. And it could never be taken outside of that place. It could never be used for anything else. I've often thought that would be a good thing for us to do around the church when we buy new tables and chairs. That we would anoint them and they could never be taken out for garage sales and family reunions and not returned to the house of the Lord. Yea, I speak unto thee in the anointing. Whatever it was that was anointed had to stay in that holy sanctuary for it was set apart for a sacred purpose. It was consecrated. Everybody say consecrated. It was consecrated. The holy oil was signification. There was an aroma about it that one could, could know that this has been anointed because it has a special, unique anointing upon it that would be obvious to anyone who would get close to it. You would smell the aroma and it was better than a permanent marker. For whatever it was, that utensil, that chair, that table, that one would try to sneak out of the tabernacle and use for an ungodly or unholy purpose, it would be clear that it belonged in the tabernacle. It was set apart for a sacred use and then the anointing of the priest was clear also and of course these are Old Testament principles that have New Testament application for now the Bible says that ye are a kingdom of priests. Will anybody help me preach tonight? First John chapter 20 and verse 2 said but you have, everybody say that's me, but ye have an unction, everybody say an unction, from the Holy One, that word unction means and ointment or and anointing. But ye have and anointing. First John chapter 2 verse 20. I'm in the word of God tonight when I declare that you have an anointing. For that word means to dab or to, to uh, put a covering of oil over something. It is the first act of consecration after the cleansing for you have an anointing that is placed upon you. Let me help you tonight. When you are washed with the water of, of baptism and you come out of that water and you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that is the Spirit of God, that is the gift of God, there is an anointing that is placed upon you and you then are an anointed individual. You are consecrated. You're never going to fit into the world. You're never going to fit into society the way you once had. But you are a separated individual. You are now the precious of God. You are the chosen of God to be used of God. 
Exodus chapter 30, verse 29 says, And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. And whatsoever touches them shall also be holy. Notice here the application of the power of your anointing. The unholy did not affect the holy, but that which was anointed holy would have an effect on everything that it came in contact with. And it too would become holy if it hung out with that which was already holy. I, if I can have a few moments of, of lateral movement in this message tonight, just to preach a moment of application to you and tell you that if the people that hang out with you, if the people that are around you hang out very long and they don't already know that you're anointed, after they're with you a little while, your anointing ought to start affecting them. When somebody hangs out around the church a little while, hey, don't ever get nervous and say, my goodness, what's the church going to, going to look like down the road? I tell you what, the, the holy ought to always affect that which is not yet holy. Just give it a little time. When they hang out around the anointed, they're going to become anointed. When they hang out around the holy, they're going to become holy. It won't take but a little time because that which is holy will always affect that which is unholy. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We don't have to be afraid of this world that we live in. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. The anointing that is in us is greater than the wickedness of our adversary and that, that, is, that is in the world. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have an anointing. In our text, the Apostle Paul is being transported by ship to Rome to stand before Caesar for the testimony of his faith. Paul warns them of the calamity that was ahead, but they did not listen to the Apostle. I wonder tonight if I was to ask, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of us would be honest enough to say that we could have avoided a lot of hardships and struggles in our own life if we would have just listened to good advice and godly counsel. Even though they ignored his advice and his counsel, God was still merciful to them. And I, I, I think that we ought to recognize that sometimes we don't always do what God has spoken to us to do, but God is full of mercy and he's gracious. He sent an angel to the Apostle Paul with a message. And he said, God has given you all them which sail with thee. And this, this tells me something now. Uh, when, when, when somebody starts, starts feeling like, man, I'm under the attack of the enemy. I, I tell you what I need to do. I think I need to leave all of my church friends. I need to leave all of my church groups and I need to stop going to church and I need to get back out in the world where I was and so that this attack is going to leave me. I, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to die in your sins. The stress, the pressure, the hardship, the struggle that you're feeling is only temporary. 
I don't care how good it looks or how good it sounds or how big it is or how popular it is. The question that you better be asking yourself is, I want to know where the anointed is and I want to know where the anointing is because that's where I want to be. If there is anointing in it, I want to be there. If it is anointed, I want to be there. If they are anointed, I want to be there. I had a few minutes one-on-one -on -one time with Dylan on the boat this past week and we were talking about friendships and relationships and, and, and as we were talking, I was kind of leading the conversation and in a minute he looked at me after we talked about people who were godly, people who were holy, people who were righteous, people who were anointed and we also talked about those that are the other side of the spectrum and I said, if you get to a point, he just interrupted me. He said, Dad, that's who I want want to hang out with. I want to be around people that are anointed. I want to be around people who are on fire. I want to be around people who are ready for the rapture. And Paul was not just a man. He was a man anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. Let me tell you tonight that your victory, your healing, your miracle, your deliverance and your destiny will come to pass only through the help of the Lord and under the influence of his anointing. It's impossible to overestimate the importance of the power of God's anointing in your life. Don't ever walk away from God or walk into a place where the anointing of God is no longer in your life. It's a terrible place to walk when you have ventured away from God. When you pray, but the heavens are brass. When you know that you're not where God is going to hear your prayer. When you're at a point where you, you, you need God, but he it just doesn't seem to hear. Let me tell you tonight, the, 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 the most difficult place to try to live is having once lived for God and then try to live having walked away from God. It's impossible to overestimate the importance that the anointing plays in your life. You may not know it. Your business may not even know it. Your workplace not even, may not even know it. But everything you come in contact with is blessed because of your anointing. Your family is blessed because of your anointing. I'm not going to get into the levels of anointing tonight. But we ought to all seek for anointing and seek for a greater anointing. Somebody said, well, I'm saved and sanctified. I don't think I need to go to the altar every time there's an altar call. Yes, you do. You need more anointing, and you need fresh anointing, and you need to get closer to God, and you need a greater anointing because the closer we get to his coming, the more powerful sin is going to come against you, and the more the attacks of the enemy are going to come against you, but you have nothing to fear when you are walking in the anointing of God. That's why we need to be sold out. We need to be filled up. We need to have his anointing in our life. Because of the anointing in your life, everybody around you is going to be blessed. 
And everybody around you may be preserved. The apostle Paul was with them on a ship and the angel came and told him everybody on this ship is going to be preserved. Not because they deserve the mercy of God but because God is going to spare you and everybody that stays on the ship with you is going to be preserved because God is preserving you. Your business may not even know this, but God is going to take care of his faithful people. It doesn't matter what happens in the economy. It doesn't happen. It doesn't matter what happens around you. You just keep on doing what you do. You keep being faithful. You keep supporting the church. You keep paying your tithing. You keep giving God your best. And I promise you, everybody that comes in contact with you, your employer is going to be blessed. Your family is going to be blessed. People are going to look around and say, I don't understand it. They're blessed and saved because of you. I'm reminded of Joseph's brother who threw him in a pit, left him there to die, sat down on the side of the pit and had lunch. They entertained themselves listening perhaps to Joseph's cry for help. There are some people around you. Let me tell you that enjoy the pain that you're in. They're glad you're in it. They're not rejoicing over your victories with you. They're seeing, saying things like, yeah, I knew they were never going to make it. When they were helping to put you in the condition you're in. I'm going to tell you something. I've been through some dark days in my life. And I have marked every person that has helped put me through some of the misery that, they have been, that, that I have gone through. Oh, you don't have to get quiet on me. I'm not talking about any of you. There's some folks that have put me through misery in my life. Joseph's own brothers put him through misery. They threw him in a pit. But it was going to be the anointing that was on his life that was going to take him to a palace. And just before they starved to death, they were going to come back to their anointed brother and have to say, hey, is there any way we could get enough food just to be able to live? And it was his anointing that still saved them in the day of famine. There's some people that are against you and have worked against you. You may even know who they are. Don't kill them. God's going to use you someday to be able to see them come back into the fold. I know. I've heard it said. Oh, they should just settle down like the rest of us, been satisfied with what they had. I've heard it said. Well, they should have never built that church. They should have never launched that daughter work. They should have never started that ministry. They should have, should have just stayed in the boat of complacency with the rest of us here. What's all this nonsense preaching about anointing and favor and authority and healing and the working of miracles? They watched the Apostle Paul and they were expecting him to die because he picked up a bundle of sticks and a viper came out and bit him on the hand. And it disappointed some of them that he did not die. Let that settle in. It disappointed them that the apostle Paul did not die. Can I preach to you right now? 
this church is disappointing some people. And they haven't seen anything yet. Your anointing. There's some of you I'm preaching to tonight and the anointing of God on you are go, is going to disappoint some of the people that said you're never going to be able to do it. You're never going to be able to launch that ministry. You're never going to be successful in anything that you do. You're never going to be able to. God have mercy. I feel like preaching tonight. I won't call names tonight because I know we're streaming live. But this past week, I had to walk face to face with a man that looked at me when I was about 18 years old. And he said, you're going to be a failure. And you're going to, and he, he, he spoke all sorts of negativism over my life and told me I never would. Told me I couldn't. Told me I would never be more than. He placed comparisons on me this week at Texas camp meeting. I walked down the hall. I put out my hand. I spoke to my dear elder. I blessed him in Jesus' name. And his wife said, well, where are you now? And what are you doing? I said, I'm still living for God. I've still got ministry. I've got a great wife and three good boys. All serving God. Sorry if I disappoint some people, but there is an anointing on some of you tonight that is going to disappoint your enemies that would like to see you fail and falter. The apostle's got a snake hanging off of his hand. They're expecting him to die. They're disappointed that he's not dying. You need to just look at your enemy and say, I'm not dead yet. I'm not here tonight telling anybody you're never going to be bitten again. I'm not here tonight telling you you're never going to fight another battle. You're never going to shed another tear. I'm not foolish enough to tell you you're never going to have another sleepless night, another trial, another disappointment. But I am saying that there is an anointing of God that he has placed upon your life. And if you will listen to him and follow his plan and follow his will and follow his pattern, everything that God has for you is going to be blessed in the end. Come on, somebody needs to get this tonight. What should have killed you just made you stronger. Somebody I'm preaching to tonight's going through the fire. Maybe you're going through the fire right now. Maybe you're under attack right now. Maybe sickness has attached itself to your life. Maybe overwhelming debt has attached itself to your life. Maybe family problems and broken relationships have attached themselves to you. Maybe fear has attached itself to you. And right now the devil is trying to take you out. And there you stand over the fire with a, with, with a serpent hanging. And, and everybody's expecting this is going to take them out. This is going to be their end. This is going to, this is going to be, this is all it's going to take right now. The enemy is trying to kill some of you. But this isn't really about you at all. It is about the anointing that is in you. And it is the adversary. 
the devil, your adversary that is coming about, that is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm going to tell you tonight, every one of us that is going through something could walk out of here tonight magnifying our adversary, magnifying the pain in your body, magnifying the depression that you're dealing with, magnifying the disappointment, and the enemy will laugh all the way home, and this week things will even get worse. But if somebody will shake it off tonight and get up from where you are and declare tonight, I am the anointed of the Lord. I will not be, I will not be defeated by the enemy. I will shake it off. I will be blessed in my going in and in my coming out. I will live in victory because victory belongs to the Lord. I'll go ahead and rejoice in the Lord right now. You're the anointed. The enemy wants to take your anointing. The enemy wants to kill your faith. He wants to steal your peace and your joy. He wants to steal your dreams from you. And right now, in some of your lives, you may have walked into this building feeling like that the devil is winning. But I just want you to look back over your shoulder tonight. And I want you to look at the things that God has done in your past. Can anybody look back and see where the Lord brought you from? Can you see the pit from which you were digged? Do you see the addiction that was broken off of your life? Do you see how far God has brought you since... Mercy. Do you see... you? Uh, do you see he's been faithful? You may have been lied on. You may have been falsely accused. You may have been rejected. You may have lost your job. Your friends may have forsaken you. You may have gotten sick and thought you were going to die. But bless God, you're still standing. You may only be able to just barely get by. But you're still standing. And you came into this house tonight. And if two or three will agree with me in this house tonight, there's going to be some people that leave here with more than just Strength, but you're going to leave here with victory. God doesn't want you to go from valley to valley. He wants to take you from strength to strength. He wants to take you from mountaintop to mountaintop. He didn't say the viper wouldn't be there. Look at your neighbor and tell him I'm still here. Let me tell you, the only reason you made it is because you're anointed. It may look bad for you, Paul. There's a record broken today. Nobody's ever lived through a snake bite from this very unique venomous viper that lived on that island. The natives knew about that viper and they knew when that viper would bite someone that it was their end was very near they were looking on they were watching but the record has been broken because not only did Paul survive but he came out with a witness 
Some of you thought it was going to take you out, but you came out stronger. We prayed a few weeks ago. We were all, myself included, and I don't get nervous over too, over too much. But we were all very, very concerned. We were praying. Becky went to the doctor. And the doctor said, according to what we're seeing, we need to run some more tests because we see a very large tumor. They ran some more tests, came back and said she has a very large tumor that is coming off of an internal organ and it's got to come out. And he prepared the family and said this type of tumor appears to be a very rapid growing tumor that is most likely cancerous and malignant. Of course, dealing with what our family has dealt with over the last year. It was a difficult time. I was praying, trying to be strong for my wife and my in-laws and Becky. Danny could make it on his own. My mother-in-law came over to the house. She was broken. I tried to speak a word of faith to her. Told her God's going to make a way. God's going to do this. We wanted to do the surgery. We were all prepared. We even tried to kind of clear our schedules and be prepared so whatever we had to do and whatever our next steps were going to be, try to be there for Becky and try to help and support. They went and did surgery. They said, we can't quite understand this. The only explanation that we can give you is that that imaging, these millions of dollars worth of imaging machines made it appear that the growth that was in her body was coming from an ovary. But instead, it was behind the ovary, and the ovary was completely clear. And the growth itself was nothing but a normal, somewhat of an abnormal mass. We will run the tests, and we will make sure, but it does not appear to be malignant. This week they called back, said all clear. No malignancy. All clear. Thank the Lord. When the enemy rose up against me, I would have stumbled and fell. But we have a God that is on our side. Worry, fear, overwhelming. What are we going to do? I can only imagine where my in-laws were already dealing with one daughter that is having cancer. Another, perhaps, concerned she was going to have cancer. And then they deal weekly with Danny. That's a struggle in of itself. You can only imagine. It's real easy for us to go ahead and start seeing, well, the doctor said it's going to be, so it may be. The doctor is never the final word. Because the medicine men and the tribal men of that region and that area got, said, go ahead and get ready because you are going to die. 
because we've seen this same thing before and everybody that has ever gotten bitten by it has to die. So we're standing here watching. Let me tell every negative voice. Let me tell every person that says it's not so. I'm going to tell you there is no weapon formed against you that is going to prosper and every tongue that raises itself against you is going to be brought down by the name of the Lord. You are the anointed of the Lord. You are victorious because of his anointing. It doesn't matter what the medicine men on the island of doom wants to declare. I declare I am an anointed individual and there is power in my anointing. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm almost done. Somebody here tonight may be like the Apostle Paul and you have just survived the storm and the sea that broke up the ship. You lived through the shipwreck and now you're attacked by the deadly viper that is coming against you. The fear, the anxiety, the loneliness, the depression, the hurt, the worry, all the things that you may be battling with and you begin to question and wonder, why me? What have I done? What's happening? I love God. I go to church. I support the ministry. I tithe. I sow in the Lord's work. I read his word. Why me? I thought I was anointed. I thought the hand of the Lord was upon my life. Why me? Well, that may be why it's happening to you. Because you are anointed. Because there's some things that happens to you that the Lord could just reach and speak a word and it could be gone. Because he could have prevented all of this because he had already stepped out on a ship and said, peace be still, calm the sea, and made it go away. But he allowed Paul to go through the storm to the point that it broke up the, the ship that he was on. Then he ends up on an island. And then he ends up snake bitten. At any point, could God not have ended that? But there was a purpose for it. And if we could somehow understand that what we go through, there may be a higher purpose than what any of us can understand. And we're over here praying, God deliver me from it. And the Lord is saying, I got a greater plan. I'm going to take you through it. And in order to take you through it, sometimes he has to deliver us from ourselves. Because it's us, that it's our doubt, it's our unbelief, it's our worry, it's the things of us. I come here tonight to tell some of you that God's hand is mightily upon you. You are a threat to hell because you will not compromise. You are lifting a standard of holiness in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. You are standing strong. You, are, you have gone through some trials and people are saying, why me? I'm going to tell you why. Because it is the trial of your faith that is more precious than gold though it be tried with fire. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong because you're in the battle. It means that you are anointed and you are a threat to hell and hell is unleashing everything upon you that it can possibly unleash upon you and it seems like that the devil has singled you out and that he is throwing everything at you that he can possibly throw at you. You need to understand tonight it is because he is wanting to take you out because of your anointing 
book of Acts, it was King Agrippa that sought to lay hands on and to vex certain of the church. Everybody say certain of the church. That means it wasn't just anybody. It was particular individuals. It was certain people that he wanted to take out. It was certain people that he wanted to handpick. Why has the devil launched an all-out attack on you? Because you're one of the certain individuals that he knows if he could get you, he, you, there would be, it would be a lot of people that could follow you into discouragement. There could be a lot of people that could follow you into despair. There would be a lot of people that could follow you into the abyss of where you you may be wanting to go in the flesh, but I stand tonight and tell you that because you are anointed and the enemy knew what was going to happen if he could destroy you, but he did not contemplate what was going to happen when you came out the other side of it. I believe it might have been Kurt Franklin that said, if the devil only knew what, was, what you were going to be after the storm, he never would have bothered you. I come tonight to tell somebody that you're coming out stronger and wiser and better. He thought he was going to destroy you, but he was wrong. Stand with me. I'm closing. He thought he was going to destroy you, but he was wrong because there's power in your anointing. The things you're going through just force you to go to another level. You can choose to sit around and suck your thumb and talk about what you're going through or either you can declare, I'm going to pray my way through this and out the other side of it. Come on, Job. You don't need any more comforters around you talking about where you are and curse God and die. What you need to do is declare, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Somebody in this house is going to get a hold of what I'm preaching tonight and you're going to walk with a greater anointing than you've ever walked with. You're going to walk with a greater authority than you have ever walked with. Your faith is going to take you places that you never could have gone had you not have gone through the things that you're going through. Your anointing doesn't exempt you from the bite, but it gives you power over his poison. What's happening to you is not designed to kill you. The enemy would like for you to believe that it's designed to kill you, but the Lord the Lord is on your side. The devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. All over this building right now, I just want you to lift your hands all over this room. If somebody in this house has been going through it and you're under it and the pressure is beating down upon you, I want you just to declare right now, I am an anointed child of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, there's power in your anointing tonight. There's power in your anointing tonight. If that's you tonight, you've been struggling, you've been discouraged, you've been battling and fighting the enemy and you can't really lay your hand on it tonight. Maybe I preached right into it tonight. You ought to step from where you are just as a sign to the enemy and a sign of faith and declare, I'm coming out of this. I am not going to live here. This is not my destiny. This is not my destination. This is just a time that I have to go through but I'm coming out the other side because I am anointed and there is power there is power in my anointing come on let's come and seek the Lord tonight let's turn this house into a prayer room for a few moments there's room for you come gather in.
Victor. 